Welcome back to Geek Life, Hanamega.com's very own podcast. I'm JP. As always with me, it's my fearless co-host, Joe. Yum, yum. Brian is still sick. You. <laughs> 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 yeah. Uh, so, back with us again, we have Pinku. Hey, hey. Nero. Hello. And from Ask a Metalhead, on loan, Justin. <laughs> on permanent loan. <laughs> What's up? All right, guys. So, let's just jump right into the indie comic of the week. This week, we're talking about Scared Me. Scared, scared of me. Instead, scared of me, like yeah, it's like, like scared uh, academy, like, but or scared yeah, of me. Academy, right? Right. But so I, 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 reading it now, I realize that it could also be you scared of me, scared of me. Yeah, that one threw me a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> like I eventually got it when he went to the scared of me. Well, why should I be scared of him? Right. <laughs> He's just a yeah. Kid with glasses. You shouldn't be. Clever so way there. to teach the pronunciation of the title. Yes. Yet another really awesome name, Jack Slade. Wow. Oh, my God. Wow. Why isn't he, awesome. like, a cop? <laughs> or a porn star. Oh, uh, <laughs> Comics could be a side job. Jack the Hammer Slade. <laughs> <laughs> so, Scared of Me is by Jack Slade. It's a great little comic about Simon Fairwee and his father, Gary Fairwee. So, <laughs> Gary Fairwee. <laughs> so, so... Simon is evidently second in the line of wizards of the Fairwee family. <laughs> Seemingly out of the blue in the first couple pages, Simon finds out that evidently his dad was a wizard, or is a wizard, and that he himself is also a wizard. And that to study the wizarding arts, among other wizards as well as monsters, he's going to have to go to the Scaredomy. And his mom's also a monster. And his place. mom's also a hideous, awful monster. <laughs> Apparently, she's really good at being a monster, too. Apparently, she's a hideous hose beast. <laughs> but a really good wizard. But a great mom, mm-hmm. I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Well, where is she, though? So, how good is she? I know, we haven't seen the mom yet. That's something I really want to see. Maybe like. she's at work, scaring um, people. Could be. <laughs> I don't know. So, let's see, let's see what, uh, what Jack has to say about Simon. Simon was just your average boy with average intelligence and average looks. That is, until he found his dad's old scared-to-me yearbook. Simon's dad, although he did graduate from Scared of Me, Gary is not a practicing magician. He wants Simon to achieve what he never did. And then Baron von Winklebottom <laughs> founded Scared of Me in 1809. The secret location of Scared of Me was recommended by two close personal friends, Lewis and Clark. It remained remote until the Mormon invasion of 1860. <laughs> <laughs> the Mormon invasion. It's, it's in Idaho, apparently. The Mormon yeah. invasion. No, it the potato people. Yeah, it talked about Idaho. The potato oh. people. None of them actually right. are potato people. They just they just they just look like potatoes. Yeah, there's a family that uh, has several eyes. A family of ghouls, right? That have it's lots of potatoes. eyes. <laughs> Very clever. This this is a really cool comic. I enjoyed it quite yeah, a bit. It's yeah, only yeah. been going since January of this year. Oh, that was January. I yeah. thought it was later than that actually, but it, imme- it just didn't look at the calendar. It immediately. Re- I, I didn't mean to interrupt. Um, but sometimes my mouth just moves. So <laughs> it happens. That's <laughs> I have no control of my mouth. As it, as it do. Or just my as hands. my wife. What? Um, what are you oh, doing over yeah. there? Um, it immediately reminded me in the first, you know, sort of like few minutes of like Teen Wolf, right? How how he finds out his father is a werewolf. Sort of like right. you have a little bit of that, oh, but, yeah. but he's not a werewolf, right? Right. Um, and there's some hilarity that kind of ensues when his father tells him, well, yes, I'm a wizard and well, I can do. I could, do, I could do table side. Party. I could do table side tricks at Chili's. <laughs> like, he's a class four wizard. But then, um, which we later find out that uh, Winklebottom had to make up just to get him the hell out of the academy. Yeah, exactly. Because right? he couldn't graduate him in any official capacities. Like, okay, level four wizard, whatever. Exactly. And then yeah, I don't yeah. know if you've ever seen a movie with Kurt Russell called Sky High. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, yes. so that's what this reminds me of. Nice. Sort of uh-huh. his, having to live up to his. His mother's. Well, uh, in this case, his father yeah. wouldn't be far to that apple fell. I don't know if it's going to fall far from the tree or not, but sort of that's kind of the idea I get from it. He goes to this academy and there's all of these, you know, sort of characters in there. And so. Who are um, legit compared to him, or at least. Yeah, yeah like the mummy who is a master of, you know, wedgies. Wedgie mummy. <laughs> the wedgie mummy, right. And I, zombie drool so, guy. I, yeah, right, the, the, guys, the dude's always right. drooling. And, and that chick's love. And the chicks dig him. <laughs> Right, that that one geeky, like, like totally like kind of a Hermione type chick right. uh-huh. is apparently a badass wizard. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Because she's always saving him from being picked on, which doesn't help his <laughs> doesn't help his social standing at all. 
her. He still doesn't like her. Yeah, he doesn't like her because she's a nerd, but he's totally a nerd too. Yeah, yeah. big ridiculous. He hasn't glasses. figured it out yet. No, he not at all. No, I, I love I love the story where it's going so far. Like like the story is really good. It's interesting. I haven't figured out yet if it's geared towards me as an adult, but I I still am enjoying reading it. It's you know it's a bit youthy if that's. Yeah, there's not a lot of risk, risque sort yeah, of well, jokes okay. in here yet, which is, I mean, yeah, it's fine. But well, there there are actually yeah. are some funny things in here, like the there's a little the underoos. Yeah, yeah, there's like yeah. a lot of pointing at stuff, and sure, it's harder to do with something that's less blue. I get the it takes sense more that, skill. I get the sense that this guy also like you know kind of grew up in the '80s, so that's around our time period. Or yeah, something. yeah, yeah. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I, one of the things that really stood out to me with his comic was how the punchlines consistently caught me off guard. <laughs> uh, the one that comes to mind was this one here, where he had just found out that his father went to scare to me, and his dad pulls out his his old admissions video, oh. and he's about to show it to him. And this one, he doesn't even show him the admissions video yet, but the dad says, Simon, calm down. It's a tape. You used to watch Timmy the Train on the VCR, remember? <laughs> oh, yeah, Timmy the Train. And the past couple panels, or the past couple pages have been all about, you know, oh, you went to scare to me, Dad? Oh, what is that? Oh, you're a wizard? I'm a wizard? What's going on? We're, like, on this train. Oops. We're, 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 on, this, <laughs> we're, we're on this line of, of thought. We're kind of moving down the storyline. Which the next, derails. Which, yeah, exactly. About, and then moves into a story about <gasps> a train. Right, And but, but what's hilarious is that the panel starts out, this particular strip starts out, and you're thinking, oh, they're going to move things forward with this scare-to-me academy, and he's going to learn more about it. But it totally, out of left field, has him shows him as like a flashback, watching Timmy the Train, and he's like a little kid. He's got like a sippy cup and like overalls, and it's sort of like in a little train outfit. And it has the TV saying, Timmy was cross. He had discovered a terrible secret from Sir Bottom Barrett. For years, he had been laundering the government's grants to improve the safety of his railroad. <laughs> and, then, and then Sir Bottom Barrett says next to him, The repairs were never made, and hundreds have perished. <laughs> and it's just like, what? Like, how does this have anything to do with the scare to me story and just the theme? But he consistently does that, where he takes you and he starts in this situation, and you begin to assume where the joke is headed or where the strip is headed, and then it just takes this left turn, catches you off guard, and has you laughing out loud mm. like it happens over and over again i didn't laugh i was like that's horrible <laughs> but i also read the guy's name is bottom beret which is even funnier oh. <laughs> you know i think i heard that <laughs> I read bottom that beret too. dude that's the greatest thing ever is this me wearing a beret baby what are you wearing oh, this is my bottom beret <laughs> oh well see i was thinking bottom bitch except they're all in berets so i don't know it's like oh. a bottom eye patch <laughs> well like there's, there's another one that reminds that illustrates this point of the punchline kind of catching me off guard. There's another one where, where Simon is sitting in bed talking to his dad and says, man, what a letdown. Here I thought you were some Merlin or something. And the dad says, you liked my magic when you were a kid. <laughs> and then it shows him saying, hey, look, Simon, look at my thumb. Oh. And you're thinking at that point, they're going to make some kind of joke about that being a lame sort of a magic trick. And then he leans over and he says, I guess I'm just a chip off the old block. I don't have any magic abilities at all. And then here's where the sidewinder comes. The dad says, you're still young, my boy. You won't start to develop until you've uh, until you start puberty. Do you have any hair in places you didn't before? And it was like, <laughs> right. what? Like, where did that come from? <laughs> but it's, it's not also it's not just that. If you look at the drawing in, the, in there. Oh, there's well, I mean, yeah, there's in one of the panels, you know, Simon's got this little like stuffed animal and it's a little right. pug and his t-shirt says pug uh, pug life <laughs> right so there's these beautiful little details in there's like little easter eggs yeah 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 like yeah. So i don't many. i almost don't want to give this away but it, this one i actually laughed out loud when i read it he gets to the school and he's getting sort of toured around the school and behind in in the panel behind one of the characters is a sign that says even though they're the they're magically delicious don't eat magicians yeah that's what right? i was just about to say right? uh -huh. so but the thing is he covers like, up covered it up. he covered it up halfway and like you have to like you would you miss, have to extrapolate what it would right. probably be based on the situation and then uh -huh. uh, so i for uh, so when if you go to read this i'm going to give you here's an easter egg just pay attention to the cereal box that's all I'm gonna say. Just pay attention to the cereal box. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a lot of richness in, in these yeah. in these strips. There's so mm. much because you've got a good joke moving a story forward, and sometimes there's not always a joke. Sometimes it's setting up a joke or creating a situation or a relationship or something like that, or trying to develop chemistry between characters, which I would say does 
uh, he's a really good job. Yeah, yeah. That's another mm-hmm. thing that really stood out to me was his roommate Wolfric, which is basically Teen Wolf. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, he dresses up for the costume <laughs> party as Teen Wolf. <laughs> he's like, what do you mean he wins? He is a Teen Wolf. He's just wearing the gym clothes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, I love that one because the, the zombie kid was Magnum P.I. <laughs> And he was just, you know, just drooling. Uh, just he had a mustache and a Hawaiian shirt, and that was his Magnum PI costume. <laughs> really, that's basically your Magnum PI. That, that's, yeah. yeah. Uh, this 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 comic is really good. It's got yeah, it's really good. It's really really good. I even though it's still pretty young, I'm so excited to see where it's headed. Yeah, me too. By the time this airs, Jack will have actually started it up again. He was taking a break, and. New comics start July 1st, which would have been the Monday previous of this release. And so go back and check this out, and you will actually be able to see something that we haven't even seen yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yay. So, yeah. And you'll get up to speed really quick. It's, yeah. I mean, you can sit down and read it in like half hours. Yeah, that yeah. was what's great about it is that, you know, there, there aren't a whole lot of strips yet, but there's enough there to keep you intrigued because, you know, I think if I would have maybe read the first one, I would have been like, all right, is that all? But, you know, with the good, it's a good amount. If there's enough there to get. A, to wrap your mind around the situation, the characters, the story, so that as things move forward week to week, you can understand what's going on and not feel like, where is this headed? What's going on here? There's al- already sort of a situational comedy sense to it where he can just drop in and make some kind of funny commentary about school life at this crazy-ass school as far as what happens in the bathroom or what happens in the cafeteria or something that's right. going on in their bunks area. The dorms, or, or... Right, exactly. And, and it doesn't necessarily have to be this this straight progression storyline. It can just have these little kind of funny thoughts and slice of life at the Academy. So yeah, it's really, it's really cool. I like it. I like it quite a bit. Yeah, and the character design is really solid. Oh my God. It's beautiful. Yeah. Some, some of the best character design I've seen in web comics, honestly. Granted I'm, it's short, but it's really consistent and it's really just nice. That I, dude can draw. Yeah. Right. It looks enough like other things that I've seen, but it doesn't look like them to such a degree that it's over familiar. Mm-hmm. Like there's enough, you know, skill here where I look at it and go, this guy can draw. Yeah, it's and got it doesn't a, look like anything else. Sorry about that. Uh, it's no. got a classic tune style to it that's yeah, yeah. really familiar, I think, mm-hmm. to to all of us. So you know, you're kind of welcome to it, but it's not trying to be any other particular tune style that I can think of. Yeah, it's really its own, but it's it's like the drawing conventions are, are familiar enough where you're like, yeah, okay, it's it's mm-hmm. part of stuff I've seen, but not exactly something I've seen. Well, and there's excellent line quality in in this comic. There, you know, the flesh looks fleshy. And he's, there's a scene where he's sitting on a couch, and the couch looks thick. And then right next to him, the dad is wearing a shirt, and he's wearing what's obviously like a crisp button-down collared shirt. And the folds and the shirt look crisp. There's very carefully chosen line quality and thickness to describe a certain kind of, of material or a certain kind of, you know what I mean? And, mm-hmm. and that, that so often is totally missing in, in comics, especially with the huge amount of use of things like felt pens and things like that that don't have a variance. And we were just talking about this pink mm-hmm. eye off, off air about how important I think it is to have line variance and how I think it's so good to use something like a pen nib that where you can press harder and get thicker lines or something like a brush to do your inking so you can actually lean in a little bit and, and get that beautiful line quality and consistent in one one go instead of having to build it up in areas and things like that, mm-hmm. which which can kind of feel a little look a little forced. Yeah. There's something about going through in one smooth pass. Well, he's got a work in progress up at the moment, I think, where it shows sketching and the line art on top of the sketching, which is, you know, really nice, uh, thick to thin kind of strokes. Like it looks, you know, you know, it's digital, but it it's essentially you're emulating what a brush would do. Sure. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, and that that really helps with the, I don't know, there's just something fresh and endearing about these characters. You look at yeah. it and you just like them. Just immediately drawn to the character design and just the art style is really, really good. Clear, solid, easy on the eyes. One thing mm-hmm. that I thought was neat was the way that he did the color for, for glasses. Because most of the time, because our main character, Simon, he has glasses, so does his father. And most of the time when somebody has glasses, they just take all the color out and it's just white. And you've mm-hmm. got the, the eye. But he does this, this blue hue for the glasses, which is very different and pretty unique. And it works really well. Actually, yeah, there's a panel where um, he's talking to his father and where the glasses go out beyond his face, 
it's clear, right? And where it's over his face, it's it's blue. And yeah, so it gives really, a tint to yeah, the skin. It's, it's this yeah, subtle, right? Chaos. It's really cool. Yeah, the other uh, thing that he does with glass, there's a panel where he, the father, is saying, "Oh, look, you know, they accepted our, well, like, we can do our app online." Look, and he's like holding out of what is obviously a smartphone, mm-hmm. and it looks like, I mean, it's it, like it's very discernibly glass. Yeah, it's so. very very smooth, yeah, very shiny. It he's got that shine sheen to it, and the glasses actually have a very you can tell he takes care to make sure that there's a nice sort of sheen to the glass because there's glasses in almost every frame because of Simon. Yeah, I mean, I throw around the word economy a lot, but really his use of detail and all of those things are really economical and effective. Like, uh, I was just looking at the way he drew hands. And, you know, they. Um, it's funny because if you describe, like, I don't know, there's a, there's a shot where just a palm is pointed up in one of the panels. If you describe the shape of that finger, it would be like a sausage finger. But usually when you describe sausage fingers to somebody, that's a terrible thing to say because it means they've drawn really bad fingers. In, but in the situation, it's really just, it has a nice silhouette and it conveys finger, but it just happens to be, you know, good use of what would otherwise be a sausage shape. So I, I, <laughs> I, I know, I, I really know what you're trying to say. In the context of, I think what she, I, what, what I get from that is in the context of his art, the fingers, though they are sausage fingers, right. make complete and utter total sense. Yeah, it's just because he knows how to use a curve versus a, a straight, and so well, when he puts those together against like the the flat of his hand, it works perfectly. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it's it looks like an interpretation of a hand in a cartoon style than failing to draw a hand efficiently right. or, or effectively. This is, that's kind of the, where the sausage finger stigma exactly. comes from. Yeah. It's when someone's trying to draw a hand and it comes out looking like a sausage, but what they were trying for <laughs> is for it to look like an actual hand. Whereas this, he's very clearly saying, okay, I want to draw a hand, but I'm going to have my own interpretation of it and it's going to be unique and, and, and fit within my style and it's a, it's a decision. And so because of that, just like drawing from reference, if two different artists draw from the very same reference, you're going to get something very different. Yeah, the way it's an interpretation of real life instead of a, you know what I mean? Instead, yeah, instead of well, failing to communicate. The something. difference is in in uh, you know the the typical sausage finger is there's a lot of unsure you know there's a lot of reason uh, the person who put the lines down does not know why they put the lines down. But in making the decision to put a certain curve down in a way, there's a confidence that makes the quality of the line actually a lot better. And a lot of times in, in like painting classes or wherever I've been or, you know, just doing critique and that kind of thing, you can sort of just tell by somebody's lines whether or not they were confident. And it's it's almost like smelling somebody's fear when they're drawing. If you can <laughs> smell the fear, you kind of know that they were just kind of they were goofing around and they didn't know what they were after. And it's like that. There is no fear in these lines. Well, and it, to me, it, it uh, falls into the realm of dr- like the sausage finger thing, drawing what you think is there instead of drawing what is there mm-hmm. or choosing to interpret what is there in a, in a certain way. You know, because that's that's like hugely important in art is we have these sort of mm-hmm. concepts in our head of what X, Y or Z looks like. And when we draw it without reference, a lot of the time it looks like a big hot mess. Yeah. You know, but once we have a very clear understanding of how something works and, and what's in our mind and we've internalized what really is there, then you can go a step further, just like Jack has, and say, Well, I know how to draw hands and I'm gonna choose to draw them this way. And it's just it's very cool. Yeah, it's so, translation. And you know, I, I you know what the coolest thing is, is I'm sitting here listening to you guys go through this, some of some of this, and it's making me a more like I'm looking at the at the panels and the one of the first things I noticed in one of the particular panels it's 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 Simon and Wolfric. Wolfric's hands are not the same as Simon's. Wolfric's hands are pointed and you know they suggest kind of a wolf like Yeah, they yeah. they look like I mean and then in, in the next purpose. panel yeah. in the yeah. next panel there's another character and his hands are different. And so I don't know, I'm making I'm becoming a more discerning, <laughs> you know, I'm looking at this and like those hands are different. Yeah. Well, that's what that's what comic or I guess I mean more more probably a clearer term, although comics kind of are a broad term, but cartooning is like people like to think that cartooning is a simplification, but really cartooning is a exaggeration of the handful of things that that define someone that mm-hmm. is making them unique. You know, if you draw a person's face and you want to take that all the way to a circle and some lines to make it look like, well, that's clearly Justin I'm drawing, or that's clearly Neuro I'm drawing, or that's clearly Joe I'm drawing. I have to be able to see what makes Joe's face Joe's face, 
And then the simpler the drawing, the more challenging it is to be able to communicate that. And so that's the beauty of, of cartooning. And that's one of the reasons why it's such, in my opinion, a pretty high art form is because instead of being able to rely on drawing everything that's there and just reproducing it, you actually have to be able to pick the defining parts of someone and exaggerate them. It's a visual language. You're taking yeah. something that exists in the world that we know and you're translating it to people in it's like translating or summarizing in a way. Yep. Yeah, because absolutely. it's so simple. Mm -hmm. When I draw Joe's face, I just write Joe underneath because it's so horrible. Oh. <laughs> Stick figures. That's what I have to do with my ability. So to you're draw an that. abstractionist. Okay. Yeah. No, I, I have to admit, when I do thumbnails, a lot of the time I just do like a little circle with very rough hair and then put a letter on the face. It's <laughs> <laughs> like J for Joe. <laughs> if, if I were to have a critique or constructive criticism, and this is could jump into the realm of being a personal feeling, a personal like preference, is that although he though Jack does a really, really good job with the textures in the comic, it's feels at times a little too heavy handed. Well, and that could very well be me just being kind of tired of seeing textures on everything because <laughs> it's such a popular in vogue thing right now. And not long ago, I thought it was really neat. But the more that I read web, web comics, the more that I read more comics, it's kind of like Oh my God, can we please do something else well, to make it, uh, you know? It's interesting because, you know, like I remember we had a conversation what, even earlier this year. I said, you know, it's this thing, uh, uh, it's a, something that you do based on the Uncanny Valley concept, whether or not you know or are aware of that, where the Uncanny Valley is, is essentially how close you can make something look to real life, except there's a certain closeness that you get, that you hit, where it's just completely shocking and it's freaky and it makes people just automatically reel back from it. Yeah, it's like you can get and closer and closer to being to being in alignment with reality, but there's there's that right. close enough that it's just plain uncomfortable now, like that. It's just creepy. Exactly. But now how that relates to the use of texture is the fact that, you know, our our human eye there's certain things that are that are pleasing for us to see. Um it's also the same concept as to why you people think that their sketches often look better than their finished drawings, and that's because when we look at things, they don't they're not we don't look at perfectly clean contours all the time. We see, you know, things that move and blur because, you know, we're in a world that moves and we constantly move. So when you translate that over to adding texture to things, it gives it this sense of depth. Which is good because it's soothing for the eye to look at things. That's why you get a lot of fake paper textures and you get a lot of people, you know, just abusing the hell out of that. Um, I mean, I like the paper textures where, where I'm pretty much like, okay, paper textures, I'm all in. That sounds great. Cool. I like the look of paper textures. I love when someone does full color drawings mm -hmm. with markers on paper. That look that you get, the, 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 the saturation, the bleed, the, you know, going over with the same color and getting a slight variance, mm -hmm. the, the actual, paper texture that you can pick up with a scanner there's a charm to that it's 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 gentle it's natural it feels good and so when someone's trying to simulate that with a texture that's awesome but when you start to get the like certain certain scenes have like they they use like a concrete texture or they use oh, right. like a gravel texture or they use a canvas texture that has a bunch of random scrapes on it or something that like a coffee table or like oh my the yeah. one that drives me the most is something that has like a stain on it, it looks like a coffee stain <laughs> and it's I, like what are you doing no one in their right mind would have a coffee stain on me would turn in a, a a piece of work that they accidentally spilt coffee on and you're choosing to make it look like you were like oh, and then dropped your your starbucks all over your work and then was like ah f it i'm gonna turn it anyway that's yeah. it's terrible I, I think what that comes from is the fact that you know we try to you know as artists we try to do things where we want to try this new cool thing, but we don't want to say, use the same texture that everybody else is using. So, hey, sure, sure. I got this cool ass collection of textures from DeviantArt. This coffee one looks pretty cool. Yeah. And, sorry. I was just going to say, and I think one of the things that's, it might be such high contrast or what sticks out in this is he simplified the artwork so much. So when he adds the textures, it's almost like too much. Right. Well, and... When I first was reading it, a couple strips in, I'm thinking, oh, I really like the work, of the texture work. It's well done. Mm -hmm. It's tasteful. It's good. But after a while, I find myself wishing for the textures to be back. on covers, but not inside oh, the comic, right. if that makes sense. I see where you're coming from in, in, in being tired of the use of texture, because it can be beaten to death. And in this comic in particular, I actually enjoyed how... Now, I know this is, some, this is a byproduct of using like a certain blending mode in Photoshop, where it only affects the darks and not the lights. Mm -hmm. That's if you make the texture overlay, as opposed to some other modes. Right. But I also like how the lighter skin colors and things like that are not covered in a texture, so yeah. that they stand out. Yeah, because that's the lazy thing, when somebody puts a texture over the entire thing, and then they're like, good, I'm done. 
Yeah. Well, you know, for me, it's like, I, I don't care what they do just as long as it look, you know, just as long as it works. I don't care what's taboo. Just do what works for your own piece. Right. Exactly. You know, so that's why I don't like speaking to absolutes. I don't say like, I'm not the kind of person who actually goes, y'all need to have like lines that, you know, taper or, you know, because I've seen it done badly. Sure. Right. And, and lines that don't taper, the consistent line can be done really well. Yeah. And you I may also, have a preference. You may like, I personally prefer lines that do taper, but it doesn't, not to say that I don't appreciate things that don't. Oh yeah, definitely. But it, you know, when, when, if I were to look at something that was done really well with lines that do taper and really well that lines that don't, I'm going to gravitate towards something that has a thicker to thinner line quality. That's just mm-hmm. me, but it doesn't mean that I can't really enjoy both. Right. It's just a preference thing. And that's what I'm trying to say here is oh, that yeah. this, the texture thing is very skillfully done and tastefully done. I think I myself, it's just, I find myself starting to be ready to be done with textures. No, I see what you mean. And actually, you know, personally, there were a couple of panels where it stood out and I, I kind of went, you know, maybe if you dialed it back a little bit and maybe not so aware of it, then it would have yeah, maybe, maybe just a lot. five or ten alpha. I mean, it really doesn't have to be a whole lot. Yeah. But, you know, it's, you know, that kind of a thing. It's, you, it's you all know, to if, taste. If he wanted yeah. the more visible one, you know, that's, that's what he wants. You Definitely. Know, go with it. One last thing I wanted to say about the art that I really liked, and I think we saw this on the gra- Graveyard Gang, I want to say. The foreground inanimate objects like desks and chairs and stuff, it actually has a tasteful black outline, you know, like a tune shading like you would have on the characters. But then the things that are further in the background are a little more suggested instead of super detailed. And a lot of the time, what he uses is he uses a darker color of the object. So say he's got a chair and the chair is is brown, instead of having a black outline around the chair, he actually has a darker brown outline around the chair. And if he's going to do some pen touches to suggest a particular kind of look or 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 shading or or you know, hash marks or something like that, mm-hmm. what he'll do is in, where instead of in place of using what would traditionally be done with inking black, he actually will use a darker color. And that's kind of one of the fun things you can do with computers and it has this this lovely pastel mm-hmm. sort of pleasant look to it and it helps things fade into the background while still maintaining a very clear description of what they are. Mm. Yep, that's an implementation of what's called atmospheric perspective it's where shit bait uh, It's like ambient blend- occlusion sort of yeah, stuff. Yeah, shit blends in the atmosphere for yeah. the back it is. Yeah, exactly. Ta-da. It's it's like it's like what do you call it, Joe? You're you're the photographer. What is that called uh, again? Field of view. Right or uh, no, depth, depth of, of field. Depth of depth field. Of field. There yeah. you go. Mm. And yeah, with depth. photography, that's atmospheric diffusion. It, the further back is the less color, the less contrast, and the less detail. Right, and, and it helps. It's to, a very natural phenomenon. And not only that, but it helps to make your subject pop. Exactly. So you've got a blurry background, or you've got less detail, or less those sharp black lines, and you start to have the. The, the similar colored lines is the it's just oh, it's just a great way to do it and it's just another subtle skillful layer on top of what Jack's doing here that just it's a he's, he's very very good it's very yeah. well done and have you noticed the um, it has a very basic waist up for almost every panel yeah pretty much an eye level camera angle for the most part yeah mm-hmm. but he throws in some really interesting dynamic camera angles sure. that kind of set that off and make it a you know, shake it up a little bit but not so much that he you know pulling far up into the corner and giving you a weird no crazy fisheye stuff yeah. no three-point perspective stuff where it feels like you're staring up a skyscraper or yeah, something yeah. but enough that it looks like you're not following the character along on a camera track. it makes it dynamic and interesting to look yeah. at whilst not monotonous yeah so it breaks it up when there needs to be emphasis essentially Mm -hmm. it has a formula that breaks when necessary definitely anything else we wanted to say about scared of me go read it go yeah go read it it's good you can find scared of me at scared you can follow jack on twitter at scared of me s-c-a-r-e-d-e-m-y and on facebook.com forward slash scared of me we're gonna go take a quick musical break when we get back we're going to review our indie comic mallow man by marcus clausen You're listening to Geek Life. Stick with us.
Welcome back. Now we're going to go ahead and review Mallow Man, written and illustrated by Marcus Clausen, shading and lettering by Jesse Abeda. So we met Marcus at Free Comic Book Day over at Waterfront Comics, and I actually have a little recording of our interview, so we'll go ahead and play that for you now. Hey everybody, this is JP from Pandamanga.com, and I am here at Free Comic Book Day at Waterfront Comics in lovely Sassoon, California. I am standing with Marcus Clausen of Mallow Man. How are you doing, Marcus? Good, good, good. So tell me about Mallow Man. Uh, Mallow Man is my story. It's an anthropomorphic crime-fighting marshmallow who has to save the world with his partner, Bacon Boy. Bacon Boy. Bacon Boy. Everybody loves bacon. Uh, you know what? He gets more attention at the cons than Malaman does sometimes. <laughs> so, Malaman. Yes, Malaman. So, so a anthropomorphic marshmallow and his sidekick who is a piece of bacon? Exactly. Okay. All the characters in my book are food. I was uh, hanging out with my cousin a long time ago, and he asked me how to make a comic book, and I told him, anything can really be a comic book, and we just happened to be in the kitchen that day, and there was a bag of marshmallows on, on the table in front of us, so You're I like, said, Malaman. We were little, you know, like maybe 12 years old, and so we started drawing little sketches of Malaman, and uh, didn't do anything with it. I go to college, I start doing uh, cartoons for the papers, and sure. um, I decide I'm going to make my first real comic book. I'm going to sit down and I'm going to devote the time to actually getting the pages out. Which is an undertaking. Yeah. Nothing stuck out to me in any of my sketches is more than Malaman. And I was like, it's just so bizarre. It's a so great design. He's cracking me up. You know, He almost has like a, his mask and his eyes remind me of the turtles. Does, is that the what? Ninja Turtles. It's got sort of like that, it's like a thick headband sort of mask thing that morphs into like eyebrows and... Yeah, yeah. That's kind of, the, that's kind of uh, where I was going with it. I nice. mean, I, I love anything that is remotely indie at all so like turtles are kind of like the, uh, one of the indie it's icons the gold standard you know man. like yeah. those guys just they started making their book and just mailing it out and comic shops were just buying it from them it's I, amazing I read the Wikipedia page for them the other day and I just was like so jealous oh, <laughs> I, was I like, know right I, I want that I can't do that nowadays it's amazing I, I put it in bookstores and you have to do it on consignment and then the problem with that is that people go into bookstores and they're looking for very specific books sure. not or they order books. everything on Kindle or that, you know, Brutal. like they're not looking to troll the, the indie section very much nowadays. So my best bet is selling at cons. Cons yep. are cons are the way to go. So tell me a little bit about the story. Don't give anything away. Just just premise. Okay, so uh, Mallow Man is a bounty hunter now at this point in the, in the story because he, so I- issue three, which is where you are, is that where he is a bounty hunter and he didn't start that way in issue one? Or uh, issue one starts and he's a bounty okay. hunter, but there's backstory to him that's not explained until later on. I see. So right now he uh, is just doing his thing. He collects money for capturing criminals and capturing um, food criminals. Food criminals. Okay. Exactly. Yes. Uh, in issue two, he gets to see him take down the the sushi squad. <laughs> yes, so good. Uh, so. Then something happens. Uh, there's a, a, a evil on the rise, mm. and it's it's building something big. And the old agency that he used to work for, where he got his training, the backstory that is not yet explained, they recruit him to take down this evil because he's the only one that can do it. Okay. So and bring in the big guns. Yeah. Bring, okay. And that's Mallow Man and Mallow his, Man. his cowardly but loyal. Sidekick Bacon Boy. Bacon Boy. Love it. That's awesome. Awesome. Well, uh, where, where can we find you on the interwebs? Um, you can find me on, on Facebook. Malaman has his own Facebook page, so it's just uh, Facebook or Malaman Comic. We will put a link to it in the show notes. Yes. <laughs> How about that? Because my memory is failing me, but it's, I think it's Facebook. It's a hot day. It's like 90-something out here. Comic. We're all melting. So. Exactly. Yeah. Or you can buy the issues on Indie Planet, uh, IndiePlanet.com. And just, just search Mallow Man. Search Mallow Man. Nice. Yeah, the first three issues show up. Very cool. Very cool. Well, thank you so much for talking with us, and we cannot wait to review your comic. Fantastic. Thank you very much. It's good to meet you, man. You too. So what did you guys think of Mallow Man? Let's start story first. So what do we think of the story, the writing? Well, I, I think the story so far is is, is hilarious. Yeah, more it's, than anything, the writing is very it's funny. It's very funny. Well, yeah, uh, yeah I, I, pretty much this whole issue to me was just a bunch of world building and introduction to characters. There you go. But, well, there you go. But, That's the word I was looking for, world building. Yeah, and there's lots of flavor that's yes, being laid yes. down. It's like, this is, mm. this is the sense that we're going to give. These are the kind of jokes we're going to have. This yeah. is the kind of snarky relationships mm-hmm. and wordplay that we're going to do. Yeah. This, is the, this is our method of communication. He, he, can, he conveyed a lot of history. Yeah. Between the you know between the, the the protagonist, but he also conveyed a lot about the world in a very small amount of time. So, mm-hmm. so I yeah, 
Not a terribly lot of story, but that's a lot of substance. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. yes. That's I, that was what I was trying to say. There's like there's there's not yet a story that I can see, but there's a lot of information about the world and what's going on in it. Yeah the 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 whole literary device of it was all a dream. It was like oh I hate that. Oh, that's yeah. like that is a peeve of mine. Whenever that happens, or something goes on this big epic battle. It's like it was all a dream. And luckily immediately like within that same page where he wakes up and he's sweating in bed and like oh, oh, he is was dreaming about oh, the past it was so a flashback. it had actually happened and it's like mm-hmm. oh, okay right, right. we'll let that slide because it was a flashback and not a dream sequence because the, the dream sequence thing man it just makes, you wanna, makes you want to just punch the writer in the face i hate that shit <laughs> oh, so boner or knee biggest boner or knee you decide <laughs> We'll let you guys find that one. We'll let you find that. Boner or knee. Well, yes. I enjoy the uh, petty interactions in the dream sequence between the characters. I'm just, you know, I just love when two people are at a point where it just degenerates to the part where they're just bickering over stupid shit. Like the part where he's got this bucket of piss and he's like, you got it on me. The other guy's like, you, you got, got it. it. You in got it mouth. in my mouth. mouth. Disgusting. Oh, Oh, and then, and then, of course, they have like a history. So the Inferno, which is the like the bad guy, Uh what is he? A tree trunk? He's a tree trunk that's on fire, (laughs) right? (laughs) Apparently, perpetually on fire, and and it doesn't bother him, right? And his and he his name is Eugene, right? Right. (laughs) And so they must have history because like they're like whatever Eugene. He's like no one calls me Eugene. It's Inferno. (laughs) I'm Inferno, (laughs) right? He's or you know just like references to the Golden Girls. Well, I'm sorry, you know, I'm sorry, I made the Golden Girls joke. Blanche Devereaux. Blanche Devereaux, right? So, yeah. You can tell that they've been long-standing nemeses. Right. That, that's that's what's so funny is because it's framed in this epic super villain, superhero battle. And pretty soon they're throwing buckets of piss at each other and bickering. And don't call me that. This is my special name. Just back and forth. That, that petty, childish bickering is so right. funny to see these two in theory powerful creatures fighting each other <laughs> well he is a he is a marshmallow with horns i don't know if you can get much more powerful than that yeah, that's, mm. is, is that is that metal would that would that that's pretty metal that's pretty metal <laughs> yeah you put horns on anything and it becomes metal hell there was a deer laying down in the field the other day and i was like fucking metal deer <laughs> <laughs> one of the things that i thought was really funny was how sort of self-aware this is I mean, they don't break mm-hmm. the fourth wall, really, except they, they sort of hint at it. Though. Mm-hmm, right. The one part that had me cracking up was Maloman was fighting Inferno, or Eugene, <laughs> and early on, Eugene had had toasted Bacon Boy, which is Maloman's <laughs> psychic, right. which can I just say, that's awesome. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. Toasted marshmallow and a toasted bacon. Yeah, pretty pretty good. Oh, that would be good together. <laughs> the, there, all I can say to the, to the writer is at some point in there, there needs to be a bar of chocolate. <laughs> No, if you there look is on, a bar of chocolate. Yeah, on the if cover. you look on the cover, there's a bar of chocolate and a graham cracker. Yeah, the bar of chocolate. <laughs> he's got a he, he's got like a afro, an afro and big shades and <laughs> mind uh, and blown like a hand must or a handlebar mustache. Mind blown. Yeah, pretty pretty awesome. But there, there's a scene where Maloman is having a little bit of a hard time fighting Inferno, and like laying on the ground hurt and injured there's bacon boy and he looks up and holds up this like machine gun which he probably should have used earlier but right. why not and he actually says mellow man catch this fully automatic machine gun that i had cl- cleverly hidden but not accessible enough to defend myself right right he like alludes <laughs> to it like, right? ah, like that's so good i mean i like that self-aware sort of stuff because it's such there's such sort of cheap shortcuts that people use in the classic superhero sort of stuff where the villain tells him the whole story of his Mm -hmm. plan or somebody has some thing that they could be using to save the day but they don't choose to use it or don't think to use it until the last (laughs) minute and it's like oh I had this all along here it's gonna save the day it's like why didn't you use that earlier yeah sort of like the single guard go take him to the prison cell right exactly (laughs) and and that was you one inept guard take care of this for me and that's what's so great because this this not only does he manage to use that, and before we say, "Hey, that's ridiculous," he says it for us, right, which right. is like one of the best ways. You, you, that's like really the one of the only ways you can successfully get away with doing something ridiculous is if you point out that it's ridiculous. Well, I mm. think whatever time period we're in right now, like if this is like some kind of great period of comics that we're just in the middle of, uh, you know, when you're going to use a trope and you and you call it out, that's kind of the style of the times right now. Yeah. It's gonzo, but not gonzo, Meta. right? Meta. 
That's <laughs> yeah, pretty. Don't forget the L. And... Wait, is Inferno a stick or a tree branch? Because a he's stick a tr- would make he's more. A tree trunk. He's a trunk. Because they would be like impaled on a stick while toasting. Anyway. Oh no, I think he's a tree trunk. <laughs> so yeah, it will probably be a new yeah. character we that gets introduced later. So. Really? Well, I'm wondering how he's going to return because he basically said, "I will return." Uh, after he got shot up with the machine gun, hmm. and I'm wondering to myself, a stick. is the fire Inferno or is the stump? Inferno, <laughs> like is you know is Eugene the fire itself, and that oh, he'll damn. he'll just like jump yeah. onto some other thing and he'll come back looking different. But as long as it's wood on fire, it's Eugene. Like I wonder, <laughs> wonder how that's going to work. He's going to come back. He's going to come back as charcoal, there. which is stronger. Than wood. <laughs> oh, oh. Yes. Yes. dark smoldering power. Of yes, <laughs> it's only a dream. <laughs> uh, well, do we have any other things that we'd like to say about the about the story before we move into talking a little bit about the art? I, I I'm really looking forward to the you know to, to two. Well, I'm interested in no, two is actually out. I, I yeah I know think, I yeah. but yeah I'm looking which forward you to can it. pick up at Waterfront Comics in Sassoon, California. John <laughs> John carries a, a handful of independent local comics on uh, at the shop. Very very cool. Of mm-hmm. course, you can get all kinds of other cool stuff there, but this is definitely an easy way if you're a local to check out Mallow Man. Well, I'm intrigued by the other character, Onioni, or is it Onioni or Onioni? Onioni. Onioni. And what what that's all about too? Oh, and yeah. and then who? I don't know who this. He guy. didn't make anybody cry, but he wasn't cut, well, so he just kind of got knocked down, and that's kind of it, right? Uh, he yeah. got he got slimed though. Oh right. Oh no, that's the yeah, best. The yeah, big yeah. bad evil guy who's like maybe it's Inferno, maybe, maybe. it's not. Like nobody's saying anything, but mm. there's no fire. But there's a guy in a cloak, sort of a big baddie that shows up in the last couple frames and it, or the last couple pages. And I'm not giving anything away because it's totally ambiguous who he is. It's right. it's like seeing in the halls of the of the evil guy's lair and everything is shadow and you can't tell who it is and he's just like scheming with his minions but <laughs> i guess it seems kind of like there's they're at a prison or are they actually or are they no, have prisoners of some kind it's his, sausage island it's which i'm his evil lair can, on yeah i'm, I'm okay, kind of so worried yeah. to see how sausagey sausage island gets <laughs> but that was yeah, like just sausage. yet another funny thing that they did. <laughs> are they going to have any sausage parties on Sausage Island? Uh, All I the think time. The only well, kind he of has the sausage army. Sweet. Well, there was an onion. He uh, does have a sausage army. I was hoping that the sausage army would actually be a bunch of hot dogs. I think it is. Is it? That, no. That's no. He that's, calls it can't the, be hot dogs. It he calls them the dog soldiers. <laughs> yes, he has. That's why I was right, thinking. Right. It has to be the little ones. <laughs> oh, my God. It has to be the cocktail. It's got to be the little cocktail wieners. <laughs> no, no, no. It needs to be full on. Full on. Pigs in a blanket? Yeah, well, yeah but no, no. It, <laughs> no needs, it needs to be full troops. on like actual hot dogs. And right. they, they, their attack dogs are pigs in a blanket. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> that's, what it, that's what it should be. No, the, one of the funny things in the end where, where the the onion man gets taken down uh, the big scary guy with the cloak on shadowed face was been sitting in his throne the whole time he stands up and says you are nothing more than bait to lure a greater threat to my plans with this mysterious gelatinous preservative i will suck out all of your energy but not in a sexual way. But not in a sexual way. <laughs> yeah. Like just so you know, because we are on Sausage Island, we need let to me, make sure we're clear. <laughs> let me clear that what's up for going you. on. Sausage Island sucking out your energy by With covering us. you in goo. Yeah, but not in a sexual All way. Right. Uh-huh. Just so you know. I need a moment. <laughs> well, I wasn't really thinking that because it was food but okay thanks yeah I know I wasn't thinking it either but then he went there it's like oh alright that, that's what we're going to do uh-huh. <laughs> so funny well what do we think of the art I like the inking in particular I thought well, the inking was oh, pretty you know funny the inking's was... good the... oh, no go ahead no, you're on the same tangent well I want right, to hear what you had to say for oh, well, in stereo in tandem what I thought was funny was in the beginning on the, on the uh, back of the cover where the artist is like yeah this is total shit here Here's a space for you to do better. Well, you know, <laughs> yeah, in he left, summary. A, left a space that basically was and, offering for him to sketch Maloman for you if you met him at a convention, but or for you to draw a picture of Maloman that would probably be better than his drawings of Maloman. Right, and I actually sort of enjoy, enjoy that kind of self-deprecation because I, you know, I, you know, humble people are very. Uh, it's nice to be around humble people. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the the people. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm the most humble person that you know. Yeah, the best. I'm, like I'm the more best humbler. At being humble, I'm the best. I'm there. even bester. So then there was a pissing contest. Yes, I. But, also, but not on Sausage Island. And it got in somebody's mouth. On Sausage Island. <laughs> it was in a somebody's mouth. You chose poorly. <laughs> I do have some challenges with some of the way, some of the things that you know. There's a lot of black to white. Um, and a lot of times I wasn't sure what 
It was hard for me to read what exactly was going on in that particular panel or quarter yeah, page. A couple of the really intense close-ups. Yeah, like I was like, what? What am I looking at? And so I find I, myself sort of holding the yeah, I missed back a little bit yeah. sometimes. I what, know exactly what panel you were talking about when you yeah. said that too. I actually love the character styling on this. I mean, when I saw this at Comic Rock, mm-hmm. I was immediately drawn to it. I thought it looked cool. And right there, yeah, I mean, you, you really, you had me. And then to open it up and have it be really funny, like you know, it's a good. I mean, it's a great. Yeah, yeah. This is ex- this is the quintessential indie comic. Yeah, a little rough yeah. around the edges. It's what you hope for. Really, really entertaining. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That's that is exactly what we're looking for in a good indie comic. I think this would make an awesome figurine to have in my office. Right? Oh, I think it would be great. Hell yeah, hell yeah. With detachable, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know, wiener dogs. <laughs> no, one of the things that, that stood out to me big time was that they chose to do tones, screen tones. Yeah, I is, like Is that the, the dots? Screen, the dot tone. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's cool. It's kind of retro, right? Yeah, the screen tone was really effective. It, well, it's, you think it's retro because it was popular in... In like in like the pop art right, sort right, of right. style, but but really traditionally screen tones is it's a clear adhesive sheet of plastic that has dots printed on it, and you slap it on something and cut it out and use that instead of a gradient. Oh because, wow! Because that was for printers that could only do either black yeah. or nothing, and that was how you got a gradient tone. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, oh, I just want to say that's that. one. That's like the traditional Japanese comic style, and that's the I older print style. That. Yeah. Well, I, I I thought it was cool. So I have no idea what the hell I'm talking about. So. Just because art history stickler, but uh, um, the dots that you see in the in the pop art in pop art in general are, are usually an allusion to the printing process of right. comics. Because you know when you look up when you press your eyeballs up to uh, golden age, silver age comics, you know it's not really a solid color. You, yeah, you, you can use, see the dot tone. Yeah, right, it's, right, it's right. the print process. Okay. But screen tones, on the other hand, are for everything that John just mentioned. Right, well, that's why I was saying yeah. that you're thinking it feels old-fashioned because the old-fashioned printing style it w- was dots, right? But but this is more a nod, not so much to that, but to the screen tones. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. I found the screen tones. Uh, it made me hard to just distinguish certain panels. So screen tones are a fickle mistress. And we were just talking about this before the podcast, about how you get the more 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 I can never say that right. It's a French <laughs> term that basically means a pattern. And so when you're working with these, and if you don't lay them correctly, especially if you're laying them on top of each other to get a darker tone, which mm-hmm. you can do, it's real easy to get these crazy, almost like magic eye kind of shit going on. Where Unwanted it's like, oh, patterns. what is going on? So this was not done digitally is what you're saying. It this was, was definitely done digitally. It was, oh, it was but it's, okay, so, but it, it, but it, it's a throwback to this sort of, exactly. okay, okay, I yeah, understand. Like right. I myself use use ink and screen tones, but I do it all on the computer. Gotcha, gotcha. Mostly because okay. screen tones are hella expensive to use for comics on a regular basis because it's, it's, it's more than just pen and ink and paper you're consuming this thing that is more expensive it's to a develop. one shot it's deal. a transfer sheet that yeah. you kind of yeah. you peel back and you rub it onto your work that's exactly what i figured it was and then the dots come off or does the yeah you rub oh, okay. it you use an implement like some people will you know depending on what technique you got something like blunt or something less blunt right, to, right. you know popsicle stick or something right well and sometimes it's not even true what's the technical term for popsicle stick Tongue compressor. Implement. Ah, I would, I'm sure well, there's a like nice. maybe a mortar. I'm, I'm not exactly gotcha, sure because okay. I don't know what the term is for screen toners, but I would just say implement as a general term. Okay. I've just heard tone tool. Oh, there you go. I mean, tone that's tool. Yeah. All right. I like the screen tone. I like the choice to use screen tone, and unfortunately, that's kind of about the edge of my happiness about the screen tone. I like that he decided to use screen tone, but the screen tones were not well implemented here. Mm-hmm. And that's unfortunate. And I understand the challenges of using screen tone because I myself try to use screen tone. I'm not going to say I'm successful at it all the time. It's not easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the moire stuff is only one of the many things. And that this did not have any problems with that pattern problem. What the challenge was, and perhaps the reason why there's no, perhaps the reason why there's no pattern problems is because he was having whoever was doing the toning was having pattern trouble, and so they raise the size of the screen tone substantially to make to basically that's one of the ways you can do that if you have a screen tone that is way too small for the uh, for the medium it gets it gets patterns on it like that yeah that's actually one mm. of the things that happened to me in one of my first printed comics was uh, right. i had a dpi that was at a something that was not a nice multiple of whatever it was being printed at and everybody it was so it was so terrible because i put so much time into that work into the actual line work and everybody said the same thing oh my god this is like your best thing is so awesome so sorry about the moire yeah 
Yeah, exactly. And one of the ways you can avoid that is making the screen tones hella big. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that I've had to turn to doing web comics in particular. Because when you're doing print comics, it's a whole lot easier to get screen tones to work for you in the print medium. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you're doing it on the computer, it has to be bigger for it to be less likely to have those kind of challenges. And we yeah. still have some of those. And, and you can blur it a little bit to kind of hide it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, But it's, it's an issue. But but they clearly went the direction of, well, we're, we're just going to make the screen tones really big. And yeah. that works real well. But it can be in distracting. situations, but it's super distracting. Yeah. It looked like some places he bound the pattern to the light source. So when you looked at he was doing different panels with different characters, it was hard to distinguish that it was different characters. Cause it was the same pattern on them. Right. Yeah. Well, what I noticed actually, um, not up until you mentioned it, the separate credit for the person doing the tones is the fact that because there was a specific person who was working on tones, I tend to think maybe they sort of overdid it just to. Because it was their only task they wanted to... Because it was their singular task. They needed more cowboy. Or they were... It's like somebody over-inking. Learning it. I think so. Or, yeah, it could have been a learning thing, too. There's a lot of reasons why people do something a lot in large quantities. They needed more cowboy. And it's also what you mentioned, you know, when we were talking about, the, you know, uh, the, in the first half of the show... <laughs> When you add, you got it. <laughs> <laughs> I tried. I, I tried. Gotta have that. I tried. I tried so hard not to laugh. Oh, but it was um. I got a fever. Like what you mentioned is <laughs> it's, it's good. Only one Son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> That's more countdown. Talk of the walk, baby. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, so God. you were saying, Pinker? What you? You have the floor. Uh. What you mentioned in, in uh, I think it was last show, mm-hmm. where you need this ability. When you know how to use something, it's it's you also have to know how to dial it back. And yeah. I think that's what needs to happen with the toning. Because, like I mentioned, there's an analogy uh, in design. There's an analogy of a bunch of guys screaming in a room at you. Mm-hmm. If they're all screaming, you can't tell what mm-hmm. anybody's saying. And I think that's the case with the toning in this book. It needs a little bit of breathing room visually. Like With like, tones, less is more. This is something that I ran into when I was first trying to do tones. It was a nightmare my first couple panels doing tones or my first couple pages doing tones is that I tried to treat tones like you would treat a grayscale painting you know if you're going to do a monochrome painting you've got different levels of gradient and shadow and light to describe different things and there's a way bigger range and it that grayscale can go on many more things without it muddying it up with screen tone it's it's almost like screen tone is really just for describing the darkest shadows it's yeah it's really a less is more kind of thing if you watch Dinner and Dragons and Artistic Monk, the ones that I'm working on right now, you'll notice that as we move forward, there's less and less tones, and it becomes less busy and muddled and more easy to understand, while at the same time, the tones that I've decided to keep in there still suggest different colored hair, lets the characters pop off of the background, a little shadow here and there, but it's not... Well, I've got tones on the shirt because I want the shirt to have tones, and I've got tones on the background because I want the background to have a shadow, and then I've got maybe a darker tone on the floor because that's going to be carpet, and then I've got a tone on the table because the table should be brown, and it's like at some point, you just have to let some things that maybe wouldn't actually be white if you were drawing them grayscale, just let them be white, and let things be black that wouldn't necessarily be black if you were drawing a grayscale or color. You just have to be willing to let some things lie, and and it's almost like the brain will fill in the blank in between using the tones for the dark, dark suggestions or the, the you know what I mean? It's yeah, hard well, to describe. Well, see, a comic book is, you know, a lot of it, comics in general, there's sort of a bunch of elements that are put together, sort of like your party in an RPG. Sure. Tones are a support mage at best, <laughs> unless you so level awesome. the shit out of that and it overtakes everybody else and is, you know, the star. But in most cases, yeah, just just keep it as your healer, if anything. Yeah, and I think that's what we're seeing here. As an as independent comic, a lot of these people are developing artists that are working on their skills. Right. He's just starting to use it. I think we're not saying don't use it ever again. No, we want to see this in the next issue. Well, and and Marcus is the one that did the tones. And, right. and, and actually, the person who's going to be doing tones for his, I think, issue three is not the person that's doing tones here. Wow. So like I saying, I'm hoping by issue four, it would look really good. Right. Yeah. yeah. So but, focus, yeah. right? That, that's one of the things that worries me a little bit about having someone else do the tones 
is that you're going to get better or worse tones depending on who it is and, and not get that kind of smooth progression. And so maybe if the per- first person that did tones didn't work out, yeah, maybe jump to somebody else. But I don't know. It's just like that's hard when you're piecemealing out certain parts of the art to different people. That yeah. always is hard. I always want to kind of hoard it and do it all myself. Yeah. Even if it's not great, I'd rather develop it and figure it out and make yeah. sure that it's the way I want it and you know, you know have and, a smooth progression of quality. And I'm sure he's delegating to, you know, just doing if he's have if the fact that you know somebody else is credited to the tones you know he might be delegating his work because he doesn't have time to deal with it or something like or just giving somebody a chance or maybe having a friend help him out because i can see myself doing that with a lot of my stuff sorry oh i was just gonna say yeah any type of collaboration there's a team involved and you got to learn how to communicate yeah the more time you spend together and the better you communicate the more clear it is that i think the more tightly the Intention can match the final work. Yeah, absolutely. All that being said, as sort of a rookie comic book critic, slash, you know, I don't want to call myself a critic, but you know, as a guy who looks at this, and I make comments based on, you know, this was hard for me to read, or that was hard for me. I didn't understand exactly what was going on in this panel without really looking at it. There are some panels in here that I would want blown up to eighteen by twenty-seven and framed on my wall. Right. I mean, yeah, yeah. there's some really, really cool. Panels, there's some yeah. really cool shit here. And you had actually read the there's a particular panel where, you know, the bacon boy is, you know, here take this gun and just in that picture itself which now I can't seem to find the one that spoofs uh, the Sistine Chapel. No, it's the <laughs> one where he's saying, "Look, I, I, you know, I had this conspicuously hidden and, but not close enough where I could use it to save myself." Oh, right? The panel before that, then that particular panel. Like I look at this, and the way that I would sort of critique this is to say, I think that it's just my just there's just some minor inconsistencies. Like I would have ra- like I look at this as a whole and I go, God, this really I understand exactly what's going on here. I love the big giant dots in the background that yeah, tells that me that really it's in the back and it's dark outside and but where you lose me a little bit is in his like it could have just been a hair lighter, right? Like I understand like where I think there's mastery here is in the hand. There's a hand kind of, you know, it's like he's resting on his like on his arm and there's just a little bit of it underneath his what would be his pinky. And it makes sense where that is, but where where I think to myself, I wish it wasn't there would be like what would you consider? I guess his bacon forehead, you know. <laughs> and I, and I wonder to myself, you know, if you took that out and just made it white, would you would you lose the background then, or you know, would you have left a little bit of? No, you wouldn't. And so you know what, what you mean? Would, so so the the compromise there is instead of instead of using screen tone to suggest tone in something that already has a lot of screen tone elsewhere, you're going to have to use pen touches. That's, oh, yeah. Would okay. you agree with that? You like could do that. that, or you could do just a flat color, even like gray. Whatever, right, but if you're going to choose screen tone and black and white, flat color is to me is sort of like alarming and odd. It oh, doesn't it depends fit. on it depends on how it's done. Like I said, I I have no I'm sort of a I, I have yeah I have no hard and fast rules other than make it work. Yeah, and mm. you know I know my own solutions to that kind of thing, and it wouldn't be that, but I know, but that is one of that is one of many that you could do. Yeah. Actually, speaking of gray, that was there was a place where some of the screen tone was like alpha lower, yeah. so that it was gray. Yeah, and that did not. work That was to muddy. Me. Yeah, that, that did. You not can't work to do me. that with tone. You either tone the whole or point you don't. of tone is black and white to suggest like black and white interspersed at a certain amount and a certain size at a certain distance from each other to suggest gray. And so if you take the black and make it gray, it just looks like just a uh, just a muddy blob. It does yeah. not work. Mm. It does not take away. For me, the quality of this comic book. Oh, no, this is just one of, picky stuff. One okay. of the things I hate is looking at a cover and going, that looks awesome. And you open up the book and you're like, that looks horrible. <laughs> right, and that's not what you <laughs> And get that's here. not what you get here. It's consistent yeah. across the board. And I will say, just one last thing, <laughs> sausage ninjas. <laughs> okay. Right? Ah. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to... A long-standing series from this. Uh, this is something that I would read and really dig. And actually, it reminds me of Tick. It reminds me of like you know, it's got that like absurdity. Yeah, and yeah. I dig that. So like, it's not as absurd as like Scud, but it's a little weirder than the Tick. I think. Yeah. Sure. Well, another thing that's great about that Pink mentioned earlier too is like on your you can catch more stuff on your second read. There's there's a lot in there. There mm. is. Yeah. Did anybody else notice the very subtle Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles nod with their with their headbands. Oh, they're the masks. Yeah. The yeah. masks are very 
TMNT. They're like, shaped yeah. like that, but I never processed that. Yeah. That's, oh, really? Like yeah, that, that's, the first time I saw it, I, th- I thought I thought to myself, "Oh, that's funny. oh, that's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle mask. That's exactly what that <laughs> I is." I think it is. No, uh, besides this guy like, makes t- marshmallows look cool, man. He does. Yeah. No, yeah. besides the toning thing, it's a really vibrant, really vivacious oh, style. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. inking is amazing. I love the inking. Yeah, yeah. And did you guys catch that when he woke up that he had stubble? Yeah. Yeah. I was, yeah. Like, I was like, yes, that's awesome. I saw the yeah. stubble and I was like, all right, stubble on a marshmallow. Stubble on a marshmallow. Right, You've hooked line and sinker. You, you own my ass. It's so yep. great. Oh, yep. <laughs> Actually, I looked at him like, that's, and that's, <laughs> that's that, kind of weird. That's, it's but okay. Awesome. All right. That panel too, I thought was really interesting because it's just one panel, but it tells you a lot more about him that, that we didn't, you know, that we didn't get from exposition or his dream. Like he's got a holster hanging on his bedpost behind him. And he has a fingerprint. You know, he has a what? Fingerprint. Fingerprint. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Not to interrupt, but just to interrupt. No, it's true. It's and, and he sleeps in his costume. Yeah. See, the <laughs> panel where he wakes up, I, I learned a, a hell of a lot more about him just, you know, in that single panel and, you know, just the, the stark background, like maybe he's in a more somber future or city or setting. Yeah. Perhaps he's, you know, maybe war torn or, or older, old, grizzled. Yeah. yeah. He's worn yeah, out either way. Tired. Yeah. 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 Very cool. So that was one of the more striking ones to me. Living in Pantry the... City. <laughs> Pantry City. It's just, it's a bunch of fun. It's a really fun yeah. comic. Way highly recommended. Yeah. If you want to pick up Mallow Man online, you can go to IndiePlanet.com and search for Mallow Man. It is there available for you. The first two issues are up and the third one is underway. Well, thanks again, Marcus, for hooking us up with your comic. We enjoyed the hell out of it. We were passing it around before the podcast, and we're all just cracking up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and somebody said, "Oh, bucket of piss," and we're all like, oh, "I know." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's a it's a great comic, and we we so look forward to future installments of Mallow Man. Very good stuff. Man. Yeah, awesome. So why don't we go ahead and give our ratings out of five issues? Let's start with Piku. We can't do more than halves, right? No. Damn, son of a because. I don't want to give this a 2.5, but it's not quite a 3 for me just because it's not particularly my genre. But I did enjoy it enough to even even despite the distraction, I think it was that was the biggest distraction was being distracted by some parts of the art. Mm -hmm. So I I want to say for this one issue, 2.5. But if I say if we read two of them, I would probably bump it up to three. Yeah. I'm going to agree. I'm going to go with a three. I liked it a lot. Like, I know that if he had all three issues up there and the next time I saw him at a convention, I'd go up and buy two and three without even reading, without even opening them. I'd be like, yeah, hook mm. me up. Three issues. Joe? Yeah. 3.5. Easy. Mm-hmm. You know, it mostly because it's such a quick read. It is. It's a quick yeah, read. I'm, it's smooth. Yeah. You're going to need more than, you know, <laughs> right. than, you know, a two. But it didn't feel shallow. There was a lot that happened. It was. It felt a little short, mm-hmm. but not so much that it detracted in any way. Sure. Yeah, I'm a, I'm easily three point five. I, I have to agree. I haven't seen a five yet. Me and Adam, but I, you know, I, I really liked it. We'll have to we'll have to hook you up with a five at some point. Yeah. With the cape, <laughs> we've got some five. Yeah. I mean, I I would say that just because um, there were a few panels that were tough for me to read, which pulled me out of the story a little bit. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, it actually exceeded my expectations, and I didn't have low expectations for it. So, Nero, what do you think? I, I would give it a two. Mm-hmm. Uh, I definitely want to read the next one. Like Joe said, it felt a little short, so I definitely want a bit more to wet my taste. There was definitely some bits of the humor that I, I got and liked, but there were a few parts that I, I think missed. And maybe uh, if I kept reading it a couple more times through, I might pick it up. But uh, uh, that's how I felt. Yeah, I, I think that nutshelling it for me, it just this is what. I think of when I think of indie comics. Yeah. It's brilliant. It's funny. It's got great character design and there's a little bit rough around the edges, but that's part of it being indie. If it had everything perfectly going for it, probably, you know what I mean? Like that's how it works with indie. And so this is a quintessential indie comic for me. It, it is exactly what I imagine when I think of indie comics. It's just awesome. Really, really enjoyed. It's really good stuff. I need to, I need to, next time we see Marcus, I got to make sure to get issue two. Mm-hmm. Cool. And he always has marshmallows at a stand. So. Does he? <laughs> All the better. Indeed. <laughs> Very cool. Man knows his audience. Thank you guys for listening to episode 51 of the Geek Life Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at IndieComics, the number four, all. Follow us on Tumblr at pandamanga.tumblr.com. And you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash pandamangacomics. We always love to hear from our listeners. Please email us at geeklifeatpandamanga.com with your questions, comments, and insights. Anyone interested in becoming a PM contributor, visit our contact page at contact.pandamanga.com and complete the form located there. 
Music has been provided by AirPlus Recordings. As always, links to the artists and songs featured on this episode are available in the show notes at podcast.pandamanga.com. If you'd like more information about AirPlus Recordings, visit airplusrecordings.com. This is Nero, and we'll see you next time. See you guys later. Bye. 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 Yeah, see you. We always love to hear from our listeners. Uh, please email us at geeklife. Please send topless questions, shots. Comments, <laughs> One of these days I'll be able to just do send it perfectly. That's how I got on. Send me pictures of your titties and I will add them to my blog. <laughs> <laughs> you would too. I trust them. Yeah, some of your I will make them look better. <laughs> All right. Bad <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. Shit. <laughs> okay.